Changing minds one thought at a time. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Changing Minds Online show. Good evening, Akina. How are you doing tonight? Good evening, Jessica. I am great. I am so excited about tonight's show. Yes, me too. We're going to jump right into it because we have an amazing guest on tonight. Tonight we have on a master certified life and leadership coach. Um, this person is an international speaking speaker and author. She is a mother. She is a network marketing millionaire and the author of one of my favorite books, The Art of Getting What You Want. It is a privilege and honor to welcome Lisa DeMeo on the call tonight. Good evening, Lisa. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Thank you. It is a pleasure and an honor. And I want to jump right into it. And, you know, you have coached so many women and helped so many people all around the globe. You know, what is it? Why did you get into coaching? Well, it's interesting. I, I, and I don't just coach women. Women, I um, I do coach a lot of men as well. But I don't know. I think sometimes um, women are more open to it right out of the gate. And I started coaching, gosh, I was about 16 or 17 years old, and I remember watching an infomercial and hearing Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, way back when, and I was fascinated by what he was saying. And I was, like, addicted to infomercials. I used to watch them all the time. And I thought, what does he mean? You you could change your life by changing your thinking. And it was at a young age that I became fascinated with the power of the mind and how in spite of our circumstance, no matter what it is, it's very hard to change most circumstances. So if at that time in my life I was losing my dad uh, to, to cancer and he was diagnosed when I was 13 and he passed away the day before my 18th birthday. And I remember thinking, I mean, it was just so hard being a teenager and losing your father and watching the, the progression of cancer take over him and how I felt. And there were so many other things going on in my life at that time. And I just remember, like, not liking life, not thinking it was anything that I, that I wanted to continue to do. And it was hard. And I remember waking up one morning and just, um, we had lot, we had five um, deaths within five years in, in our family. And I remember thinking, it's, I shouldn't be feeling like this every day. And I, I went to, I thought about all those infomercials and I went to the self-help section of the bookstore and seeing, I was fascinated by how many books were written on the power of the brain and using the brain for a change. And my first introduction, introduction into the coaching world was neuro-linguistic programming and it was using your brain for a change and I remember um, practicing this as a young girl and noticing well I can't change the circumstance I can't make him come back but it's my reaction to the circumstance and over the years I mean my goodness my, my journey started between the ages of 16 and 19 and I've done 20-plus years, I'm in my 40s now, of coaching. And, Jess, we were just talking about this. I've never coached and did an online workshop. I've done the two-year programs, the three-year programs, working with coaches all over the world, working within rooms, and going through different processes to uh, get me where I am at this point in my life. 
So that's, yeah, that's, really, that's really powerful. So all of the coaching modalities that you've used, you know, which one would you say was the most impactful in your life personally? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, it's like if you think of a nutritional program, it's not any one part. It's the whole. It's all of it. It's doing all the right things. It was all the tools for me. Um, becoming rigorous with my language, my affirmations, my assessments that I've made up. Because oftentimes we speak, learning in ontological coaching, we study the patterns of language, of being, who, who we are versus who we think we are. And in hearing my own patterns over and over and over again, what I realize now is stuff that I say now that I think is a truth or an assessment may no longer be true for me. So, for example, I'm a life and leadership coach. I have my own uh, network marketing business. I run workshops. I do a personal coaching. I coach in institutions. I run retreats. I do all this stuff. So I have three kids. I'm a single mom. I'm super busy. One of the truths that I made up and where I was noticing that I wasn't rigorous with my language, I used to constantly say, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm unorganized. I'm a train wreck. I can't find anything. And I realized that was true way back when. That is not true for me anymore. I'm extremely organized. I know where things are. I know where I put them. I'm really not overwhelmed. I'm very busy. I handle a lot up front. I, pre- I prepare for tomorrow. So I was saying things as if they were still true for me. And in the language, in coaching and language, in ontological coaching, what's so interesting is a lot of the stuff that we believe is true for us is no longer true, but we say it anyway. So, for example, if you are a public speaker or you're running your own um, either a network marketing business or you're in sales and it takes something, it requires some energy for you to get out of your comfort zone, having an assessment such as I'm very shy, I get very nervous when I talk to people, that doesn't work anymore. We need to start to change that. So I would say a lot of ontological coaching for me was extremely powerful, but each modality was powerful at a certain point in my life. Somatic coaching was extremely powerful in dealing with um, my dad dying and and loss. And then, um, my goodness, I've trained in a a modality, Be Do Have, uh, 1,600 century philosophers on being coming from a state of being and then doing the do and then having the results because most humans have it all backwards. It's all convoluted. We think, oh, when I get married, I'm going to be really happy. When I lose the 10 pounds, I'll be ecstatic. When I have the car, when I have the house, when I have the money, when I have the relationship, and we think that is going to then generate a certain emotion in us. And that's when we're going to do the actions necessary. And I thought that way for a very long time. You know, when I have this, then I'll go do that. And learning that modality in coaching, and that's what I still practice, it it was interesting to see how unaware of my state of being I had become, completely disattached uh, and disengaged from it, 
detached and disengaged. So learning that and practicing that, and that's every single day. I mean, that's a, it's a journey, understanding that my way of being absolutely hands down determines my action steps to do, and that's why I now have the results that I have. And, you know, people keep saying I am a divorced um, mom, three three children. How are your children? And I always say, look at them. My children are thriving. They're incredible little souls and human beings, and we talk nonstop about everything and um, having a working relationship with their dad and all of that. And I think physical results are the ultimate guru. That's how we measure who we are in this world and what we're accomplishing. Am I good at network marketing? I make millions of dollars doing it. I would say so based on my results. But it's not about the having or the doing. It's about who we are being, loving, compassionate, generous, giving, trustworthy, forgiving. All of that determines what we will ultimately have. Wow, that was powerful, Lisa. Thank you so much for that. You're so welcome. Yes. And we also know that you are an author. So tell us why you decided to write the book. You know, for years people kept saying, um, I want to take your course, I'm afraid, or I want you to personally coach me, what is that like? Or I'd like to join your network marketing team, uh, what does it require? And I felt that there were so many conversations day in and day out, hours and hours and hours of time that I was spending with people talking about their circumstance versus their reaction to the circumstance, speaking today's truth versus yesterday's promises, and wanted an opportunity for them to understand the coaching world, get to know who I was, and look at situations where people completely manipulated their own way of thinking to create a different outcome. And I believe, I believe in miracles, and I believe that I am surrounded by um, some incredible people who are truly miracles. They shouldn't be here. And they just got through the other side. And I look at what they've gone through and look at where their life was. And I, I truly, you know, I hear people all the time say, I'd rather have my problems than somebody else's problems or, you know, my problems are so bad when I think about other people. I don't necessarily think that. I think whatever any one of us is going through at any given time in our life, that is significant. We can't compare. There is always somebody with some, something worse. But if you're going through, whether it's a, a divorce or a loss of a parent or your friend has cancer or a loss of a child, whatever it is you are going through in that moment, in that moment in time, that is significant to you and who you are. And the the book um, for me was an opportunity for people to really understand the way I coach and the way I, I view things and the language and the, just all of it. So it was a way for them to get to know who I was, my, a little bit about my story, and the stories of these people that I'm surrounded by that have been on my path, life's path, who had 
incredible obstacles to overcome. And they did it just one foot in front of the other. And it was all truly through their mindset, their belief system, that knowing there was a higher power greater than them that was going to pull them through, having faith, the fortitude to get out of bed every day. And and I wanted so badly to tell these stories so that other people could get, I'm not alone. I do matter. My story is significant to me. And I think for me, the 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 true purpose uh, around the book, number one, it was a challenge for me to do, to put my stuff out there like that. And to get over myself, you know, what will people think about me? How will they talk about me? What if it's not really good? What if, so I had all this mind clutter, and I needed to overcome that for my next level. And what if people didn't like it? Well, then go write one yourself. And what if they do talk about you? Well, they're going to talk about you anyway. So I had this conversation back and forth, back and forth in my head, and I said, you know what? Too many of these stories are way too powerful, and I'm not going to be stingy and withholding and worrying about how I'm perceived or how I look and not get it out there. And I'm going to, once again, put myself, my my butt out on a skinny branch and give it my all. And then it will be my reaction to the circumstance, how people react to me. So it was really an opportunity for me to grow while giving back. Yeah, I love, Lisa, how you talk about that conversation of, like, the I matter conversation. And I know for myself, like, when Akina and I started this podcast, this was a conversation that we had um, both, I mean, I know for me it was very personal, where when I, when I first started off this podcast, I was thinking, well, who would want to hear what I have to say? And, you know, what, why do I get to do this? And then there was the, well, what if people don't like it? And, and like you said, you go through all these stages of conversations. And ultimately, like, it is a decision, a choice that you make that you matter enough that you get to live the life that you deserve and that you want to live. And that's why I love the message of your book, The Art of Getting What You Want. You know, one of the things that Akina and I are very, very passionate about is teaching people that by changing their mindset, and that's why we call our company Changing Minds, that, you know, you get to create the life of your dreams that you get to create your life, your life gets to look like the way that you want it to live, and that, you know, you don't have to be defined by any form of external circumstances that what someone told you you should do or you shouldn't do or you could do or you couldn't do, that you actually get to decide what's true for you. So, you know, I, I, I know that there's people on this call tonight that might be, like, listening and thinking for the first time, like, wow, like, does it, do I get to do this too? Like, you know, do I really get to create the life of my dreams? You know, and what advice would you have for someone who's listening to this call tonight and might be kind of in, that, in their back of their head really getting it for the first time that, like, they get to get what they want? Get clear about it. And I would say um, I love, Jessica, that you say get to. It's not a have to. The first thing that I did was I got clear about it, and I started talking about it. And I didn't talk about, like, I'm thinking about writing a book. I started making it a declaration. I'm going to write a book. This is what I'm going to write about. And I kept talking about it, talking about it, and talking about it until all of a sudden it became my reality. And I would write about it, journal. I think journaling is is one of the best tools. It's so powerful because when we journal and we can write freely and, and 
some of you may say, oh, my gosh, I could never journal. What if someone ever read that? Rip it up, burn it, get rid of it. You don't need to keep it. You just need to get it out of your head and put it on paper and allow yourself to have those thoughts around whatever it is that you desire, you dream, you vision, create a vision board, uh, whatever it is to get it out of your head and into the universe. And whether it's having a friend that listens generously, just get it out. And I would say we need to start declaring it. So declaring is I will, I am, um, knowing that that is now a truth for you. And I had so many reservations about that. I wouldn't share ever about writing a book. I don't know why. I was so nervous to say it. And then one day I started saying it, and everyone said, oh, my gosh, I would totally get your book. Like I would absolutely. And it was interesting because I guess we don't see ourselves as, as that. We see ourselves, so I do anyway, completely different than, than how other people view me or see me. But we all have the same universal thread. We cut our fingers, we all bleed red. We all have the same fears, the same insecurities, the same hopes, the same desire. We all need love. There's so much that connects all of the human spirit. At different times in our lives, we may be more courageous. But I'm sure if you ask any person who's done anything that's remarkable, they had fear at one time. What was different was their ability to overcome it and just do it. So it's easy to say you just do it. I remember years ago I I left um, an incredible amount of money. I I was at the top of a network marketing company, and I left. I walked away. I left everything on the table, three kids in tow, and started at another company, and it was an integrity issue for me. That that was the reason. And starting again at zero. But I didn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, I think I'm going to leave company A and join company B tomorrow, like a nice idea. I talked about it out loud for two years. I wrote about it. I meditated about it. I went for walks and thought about it nonstop. It became an obsession for me until the final move to do was actually the easy part. It was, it, it became so much a part of me, just like the book that people would say, oh, my gosh, would you do it already and just get it over with? (laughs) And that's what happens. Um, Same thing with getting divorced. I didn't wake up one day and say, I don't like this anymore, and this doesn't really work for me, so let me pull the plug on 14 years with somebody I have children with. It was a, a very, very long series of conversations over and over, years and years and years of choice and being clear about my choice and writing about my choice and speaking about it and talking about it until when it happened, people, you know, the, the feedback was, well, we weren't surprised. It was just a matter of time. You have to get to that point in your mind. Some of you, it may take a month. Some people could take two weeks. For me, it seems to take years. And, and uh, my decisions were monumental. And I, it took years for me to make them to be able to move forward. So it's circling back and and answering your question directly, it's getting it out of your head and putting it out to the universe, whether it's on paper, to a friend, to yourself, speaking the truth for the first time. And I think if we 
were to open Pandora's box in each one of us, there's so much hidden in there. We don't even admit to ourselves what's real anymore. And my life was a beautiful lie. That's how I felt. I felt like I was living this beautiful lie. People were saying, oh, she's so successful and she has this beautiful home and she's happily married and she's in this great company. And it didn't feel right for me. I was uncomfortable in my own skin because that may have been true at one time for me, but that truth was no longer true. And I was thinking, no, I'm not. And I felt like a fake in my own body. So for me, it was taking the necessary step to kind of catch up to myself and saying, I'm not so happy in this marriage. I am not happy in this company. I'm not living the life everybody thinks I'm living. And now I could say, I mean, with with struggles and, and facing reality, which isn't so easy to do, I'm joyous. My heart feels good. And if there's something so empowering about living in truth. And that's what happens when we start to really look at what we've been suppressing, consciously or subconsciously, for so long. Wow. Thank you for that, Lisa. And I know being a powerful and successful woman that you are, you have a lot of different projects that's going on right now. Would you like to tell us about those? I do. I, <laughs> you know, and they tell everyone all the time. I leave the house with three children. I come home with three children. It is a great day. <laughs> I do have a lot going on. I, um, I finished the book, and I'm considering now book two and what you know, what would I want it to feel like, look like, what what I what would I want to put out there. So that's going on, and different conversations about that. I am extremely successful in another network marketing company. I left company A, joined company B, and um, already made a, a, you know over a million dollars and then some in this company, and that's all working. I have an incredible team. And I started coaching again, which felt awesome because it went on the back burner uh, for about two years, and I started out my coaching practice again, my coaching website, my clients, I've coached institutions for a long time and starting to do that again, and I've started running retreats. I'm doing a Balance and Power Summit right now with a, with a colleague of mine, Kathy Savage, and I recently reconnected with someone who I think is absolutely brilliant, brilliant in the coaching world, and we just decided, and this is just now after weeks of conversation, uh, to put to do a workshop together, which would be extremely powerful, although time-consuming for both of us. So I have this full-time network marketing job and business, and um, I don't want to—I I shouldn't even say job—but this whole thing going on, and then my big personal life, and then this whole coaching practice uh, business starting up again. So yeah, lots of good stuff. That's awesome, and, and I'm so excited to Lisa to for you to launch your coaching business because I know for sure that I'm going to be um, first one in line to to be working with you. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about and something you said earlier in the show that I really love is you talked a bit about courage 
and, you know, what it really the courage it takes to get the life that you want to live. And, you know, there is this conversation, right, that we all have about fear, like fear of either fear of failure or fear of success or fear of what others think or fear of what we may not be able to do. And, you know, for me, like, I've been always a firm believer for my whole life that fear is not real, that we, you know, we create fear and we can create anything. And I always focused, you know, up until now I focused my life on living in the absence of fear and I thought that love was the opposite of fear. And I've come now to an understanding that, you know, without fear, there could be no courage. And that, you know, it is okay to be afraid. But like you said earlier in the call, it's really not about having this absence of fear, but being able to stand in the face of it and get what you want. And I know we're really, like, kind of wrapping up the call. We're almost at the end at 930 tonight. If you can give advice to, and to everyone listening on today who is really at that place where they're ready to take that leap of faith, you know, they're ready to kind of face that courage, you know, what advice would you give them? You know, if you can sum it up. Yeah, us. well, we have to be fearful. I mean, it's, it's a gift to experience fear. It protects us. I remember reading the book, The Gift of Fear, years ago. If I walk in my house, I know I lock the door and I put the alarm on and the cameras are all going and I walk in and I, I don't, and the door is open and the alarm is off. And can't, I'm, that fear saves me. It, it, it tells me, boom, you need to leave. Panic button, get out. So it's the same thing with a deer in the woods. If a deer hears a gunshot, it doesn't turn around and say, I wonder if it was a firecracker. Hmm, let me think. It just runs. It hurts something. It's fearful. So we can't eliminate fear, nor do we want to. What happens is there are underlying conversations from an accumulation of our history that gets in the way our brains are wired. It gets in there and prevents us from doing what we would probably would have done without life experiences getting in the way. So it's getting clear about who we are, loving, generous, forgiving, forgiving ourselves, accepting, doing the do. Do I have the fortitude to do what's necessary? What do I need to do? What are the action steps I need to take? What are the results I'm looking to have? What do I want from this? And people always talk about time and money. You know, if I had more money, if I had more time. And those probably, it's probably where you need to look first. This, what we ultimately want to have at the end of the end result is usually what we need to sacrifice most in the beginning. And I would say if we're going to talk about fear, it's I don't have enough of the resources. Start changing your language. It's not about time and money. It's about the resources necessary because we can figure anything out. I mean, I don't have more hours in the day than, than anybody else and then I look at people who have so much going on in their lives and think about my goodness they have so much so much more that they handle they have more people working for them they didn't start out with money there's always excuses so what I would do is become really aware of the excuses you are telling yourself over and over and over you believe them right now we believe that we believe our excuses we bought into it and then we sell them to other people. I couldn't possibly do that. I don't have any time. 
I couldn't do that. I don't have any money. And we get all the validation to be right. Don't be right. Go out there and feel uneasy about it. Don't know how to figure it out and be okay with it anyway. And the fear will be there when we need it to be there. We don't want to ever eliminate it, protects us. But it's look at the excuses that we've made. And the best advice I've ever get, given, the best advice I've ever received, and what I get from, from some of the greatest philosophers ever, be present. Be in this moment. Tomorrow, and this is my book. This is coming right out of my book. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to any one of us. In the game of life, we all die in the end. No one gets out alive. Today is all we have. So if we make the necessary movements today, we're planning, we're hoping for tomorrow. But in this moment, right now, is anybody hearing the gunshot go off in the woods and running? No. In this moment, we're okay. Operate constantly from that place of being present, and you'll be able to start to move. Wow, Liz, that is so beautiful and so powerful. And, and what a wonderful way, too, to close out this evening, you know, just being present and powerful. You know, it's such an honor and a privilege to have you on our podcast. Um, if anyone was touched by what you said and wants to look into working with you, you know, how could they do so? They can get in touch with me at Lisa at lisademeo.com. And they can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's Lisa DeMeo. And the book can be downloaded or purchased on Amazon. And it is The Art of Getting What You Want. But for any information on my upcoming workshops, webinars, coaching programs, it's lisa at lisademeo.com. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a wonderful evening. It's been a pleasure and honor. And, you know, just we appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for being on our call tonight. Thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me and having me. It's, it's so appreciated. Absolutely. Well, everyone, we want to thank everyone who called in tonight. You know, as I end every week, I just want to let you know we love you. God bless. Make it a powerful week. And you really do get to create the life you want to live. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.